Thank you for listening to the Rivers Church podcast with Pastor Andre and the Rivers team. Be sure to subscribe for a weekly dose of encouragement and inspiration to help your daily life. We pray that this message will help in whatever season of life you might be in. So we're beginning our series this morning in Genesis, and we're going to be looking from chapters 1 to 12, not today, but over the next few weeks. And Genesis is very important to your understanding of the Bible because the entire Bible hinges on the first actual 11 chapters of Genesis. The author is Moses. It's the first book of the five he wrote 3,500 years ago, and it spans 2,000 years. And the big question about Genesis is this. Do we believe what God says, or do we believe what false scientific theories say? Do we believe we were created by God, or do we believe that we were once an ape and then suddenly our uncle stood up? (laughs) If it is true that we come from apes, where are the missing links? Have you ever met a human being with half a tail or a tail? Do you have a relative who when they went swimming, suddenly you saw their tail and you didn't know what to say? There are no real missing links. There are just people trying to fill in blanks. Because when you have no creation, you have no accountability. You have no such thing as sin. You have no such thing as God. And then you can do as you like and live for pleasure. But when you have a creator, you have accountability. The late Bruce Barton, who was an author and an ad executive, said this. He said, when you can dump a load of bricks on a corner lot and let me watch them arrange themselves into a house, When you can empty a handful of springs and wheels and screws on my desk and let me see them gather themselves together into a watch, it will be easier for me to believe that all these thousands of worlds could have been created, balanced, and set to moving in their separate orbits, all without any directing intelligence at all. You see, the book of Genesis is incredibly important. The late David Pawson put it like this, if Genesis is mistaken, the rest of the Bible is shaken. And you need to understand that today. Warren Wearsby, the late great Bible uh, commentator and preacher, he said, except for the account in Genesis chapters 1 and 2, the first 11 chapters of Genesis record one failure of man after another, failures that are being repeated today. The problems we have today can be traced back to Genesis. And our reasons for our culture and our society are traced back to Genesis. The problem is this, even Christians today no longer believe in the authority and veracity of Scripture. And so I'm going to deal with Genesis chapter 1 in six pieces this morning and discuss them as we read them. We'll begin with the first verse, Genesis 1 and verse 1, and I'll talk about that before we go on to talk further because it is very, very important. In the beginning... Those three words in Hebrew are one one word, Bereshit, very powerful word that opens up Genesis, and it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. How many of you know, in the beginning, God? If there's a beginning, there must be an end, and the Bible tells us that everything begins with God and ends with God. God is outside of time. He is the great I am, the ever-existent one. And so we understand God is outside time, but everything begins and ends with God. Isaiah 43, the Lord says, Before me no God was formed, nor will there be one after me. I, even I, am the Lord. And apart from me, 
there is no Savior. So there are not many gods and many paths to heaven, as Oprah suggests. Yes, from ancient days, I am He. Here's the important thing. Without God, nothing makes sense. Do you realize without God, marriage makes no sense? Why would you want to be married and tied to one person? Why not married and tied to three people? Why two? After all, if we make up this stuff, we can make it up as we want, which is exactly what our world is doing. Without God, life has no meaning or purpose. Without God, gender makes no sense. Without God, crime makes no sense. Without God, work makes no sense. Without God, purpose makes no sense. And without God, good and evil make no sense. In fact, here's the biggest problem in the world today. Most people think that people are good. That's why people are taken for a ride. That's why people are made fools of. I read a woman met a man in South Africa just this week. It, it was in the news again. She met a man and she was quite taken by him. He bought her gifts. He drove cars with personalized number plates. And then he told her, let's go meet our ancestors. This is an educated person who said, yes, let's go and meet our ancestors. They had a meeting and he said, the ancestors have told us that this is what you've got to do. You've got to take your life savings, 600 and something thousand, and put it in a box and put it before the ancestors and the ancestors will multiply it. And guess what? She did it. Only problem is the ancestors weren't in it, neither did they multiply it, and he's gone. But people believe people are good. Why? Because we don't know the Bible. So we have a false view of life, people, gender, purpose, work, all these things. They ca cause confusion. With God, there's a beginning, and with God, there is meaning. And here's the thing. People are so paranoid about the planet. The planet's dying. We've got to protect the planet. No. When God created this planet, he started it, and he will finish it. And in between, we have what's called the second law of thermodynamics. Anything started slowly runs down and deteriorates. So we are in a phase now where the planet is creaking, where we've got storms and winds, and, and we've got all kinds of global warming and strange stuff, and we think by turning off our cars and driving electric, we can change the whole of destiny. No, we are heading towards the close of the age, and so Christians look above it. We're good stewards, but we're not living in fear. We know that in the beginning, God, and at the end, God. Revelation chapter 12, sorry, Revelation 22 and verse 13. I am the Alpha and Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And so God created everything. We're not here by accident. He's a personal God who created us. And here's an interesting thing. God created everything, as they say in Latin, ex nihilo. In the Hebrew, it's bachras. It's a word that means God created everything out of nothing. And so God doesn't need anything to create. We do. We need the Hebrew word baras, which means God. Uh, we, we can create from something. We can take what God made, like you take a tree and we can, take, we can mine coal and do various things, get iron and silver and we can make something. God makes things out of nothing. He just speaks and things happen. Powerful, powerful thing. And he created the universe like that. Hebrews 11 and verse 3. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. 
The interesting thing about the book of Genesis, and the most important thing about it, is a lot of people think that creation is only mentioned in Genesis. It is not. It is mentioned as a theme throughout the entire Bible repeatedly. And so you make a mistake when you try and poo-poo Genesis by saying, oh, it's just fables, you know, no one believes that anymore. No, it is a theme of Scripture. Take the oldest book in the Bible, Job 38. We'll start there. Where were you, says the Lord, when I laid the foundations of the earth? Here he's speaking to Job. Tell me if you know so much. Who determined its dimensions and stretched out the surveying line? What supports its foundations? And who laid its cornerstone? as the morning stars sang together and the angels shouted for joy. You see, here's the question. Was it the Big Bang or was it the Big God? You can choose. And if you think it's just some bang in the middle of nowhere that set off the universe, I believe it's a big God who spoke, 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 and it's still continuing because his voice echoes into all eternity. Psalm 119 and verse 90, your faithfulness extends to every generation as enduring as the earth you created. And then in Ephesians, in the New Testament, this mystery, speaking about salvation, Paul says, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. Paul writing to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4 speaks about food and what we eat, and he says, for everything God created is good and nothing is to be rejected. You then go to the very last book in the Bible and you see a throne in heaven and 24 elders and they're before the throne and they are glorifying God and notice the words they're using to glorify Him. Revelation chapter 4, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. In other words, in heaven they are declaring our source not the blessings or not some strange philosophy, they recognize the source is God. Do you believe God created or do you believe we just evolved? Let's keep going. Genesis chapter 1 and we're actually at verse 2. <laughs> now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. Watch this. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Notice the capital letters. It's the third person of the Trinity. God is mentioned. Now the, th the, the third person is the Holy Spirit. We'll see Jesus soon as we go through this book of Genesis. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. He just speaks and things happen. And God saw that light was good. And he has separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. The first day. Day. Notice here God's creating the planets, uh, the, the, sorry, the sun and the moon. Notice here God's creating the sun and the moon, and it's a summary of the detail that will follow later. Notice also the days, the word in Hebrew, yom, Y-O-M, which means the 24-hour day, not a one billion year day, as some people believe. Now, we go on to read a bit further, and God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. And God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it, and it was so. God called the vault sky, and there was evening, and there was morning the second day. What an incredible planet, what an incredible God. And we see here that God spoke, and he created things. Now, this is a very important thing I need to say today, because we have a lot of false teaching in the world that is so propagated that people take it for normal. When Jesus came into the, into the earth as the Son of God, the Bible said he was Emmanuel, God with us. You with me? 
And that's why when Jesus came, he could speak and things would come to life. He'd speak to the little girl, Jairus' daughter, little girl, I say to you, arise. And she came out of death. Jesus spoke to the widow's son at Nain who was being carried on a stretcher. Uh, young man, I say to you, get up. And he rose. He said to a dead man, three days in the tomb, Lazarus, come forth. And he spoke to the storm and he stilled the sea. Because he was God, the creator who made it, he could control it. And when God spoke to create it, Jesus spoke to contain it or bring resurrection. Now we're taught that we're just like Jesus. Greater works than Jesus can you do. And you can speak to dead people. And some people try and speak to dead people in morgues for three weeks in a row. And then they tell the congregation you didn't have enough faith. That's nonsense. We're not Jesus. We are children of God. We've been told to lay hands on the sick and pray for them. But we can't speak and declare we're not God. And the decree and, decree and declare thing. I decree and declare. And I speak to this. And I tell this woman she must marry me. You are dreaming. Where do you get that from? And churches teach this, and then their own leaders die from sickness, and their own teaching doesn't work, but they carry on. So we've got to acknowledge this, and I'm not speaking against you. I just want you to be sound in the faith and not be taken because something has got so many million views, or it was a conference where 20,000 people were attending. We need to be sound in the faith and discerning. But if we don't understand the Bible and who Jesus is and who God is, we will be taken by these things. And so while we have authority and we've been called to do things, we need to understand the Bible properly. Now, the very important thing is the word yom speaks of day. And many Christians have tried to support evolution by being scientific and saying it doesn't mean a day, it means, you know, it could be billions of years. No, we, we only adopted the names for Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday from the Nordic or the Norse. And if you study the background there, you'll see that those names came from, from the uh, northern countries. God didn't call them names. He numbered them. Very important. And if they don't mean a day, how come we rest on the seventh day if God wants us to rest every 7,000 or every 7 million years? Where does Sunday come from? Are you with me? And every generation mentioned in Genesis is literal days and years. So that argument doesn't hold up. And Christians have used 2 Peter as an argument. And 2 Peter says this, chapter 3. But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. How many of you know that that is a figure of speech? God is above time, and this is talking about his patience. He's not saying when you think it's a day, it's a thousand years. Otherwise, why give us seven days in a week? He's telling us it's the way he is timeless, and we mustn't believe that the world was created like that. And if evolution is to be believed, it takes millions and millions of 13.8 billion years before man appeared. And then some say that man appeared 2 billion years ago. Others say he appeared 300,000 years ago. Well, who's right? Because no one was there then. And here's the thing. If you believe in the old earth theory, it's feasible to believe that the earth could be old. When God created Adam... He created him. He didn't make him a baby. He didn't say, Adam, Adam, you're gonna, there's such potential. I speak over you. Adam, come have your milkies, Adam. God created Adam as an adult. What age? We believe probably, this is not, you, you, can, you can use your speculation here, but we believe 30 because that's the age Jesus started his ministry and that's the age Jews believed a man was mature. So let's guess it. Maybe if he was 20, but he certainly wasn't young. So here's the thing, if you bumped into Adam the day after he was created, and you said to him, Adam, how old are you? He would have said a day. If you looked at Adam, he would have been 30. 
So when God created the heavens and the earth, he created all the fruit trees and all the plants and everything. He created them with fruit developed in them for Adam to eat. Do you know it takes a minimum of seven years for a fruit tree to be healthy enough that you can eat from it? So to go, for God to create something and speak it into existence and then to actually look at it and to say, well, this is actually seven or eight or nine or ten years old. The planet could be billions of years old. God could speak it and little lava and it's one day old. Why is that so hard to believe? If everything else was created at a rate of speed, why do we need? We need evolution in order to justify the slow evolving and no creator being involved. This stuff you can teach in Bible study for weeks and weeks and weeks. I'm giving you a surface, but I want you to think today and not take for granted. Here's an interesting fact about the age of the earth, by the way. The oldest tree in the world is called Methuselah, and it's only 5,000 to 5,800 years old. So if the earth is as old as it is, and it took billions of years for these trees to come, how come the oldest tree matches the Bible record? I find that one fact fascinating alone. And so the Bible here talks about us being created, the earth being created, and uh, we need to not believe a lie because when you believe a lie, it's not because you're being scientific, it's because you're choosing to ignore truth. Now, let me read you a most important verse or verses, just a few verses from Romans in the New Testament that tells us why our world is in the trouble it is today, and I'm not going to go into all the stuff that it talks about. I'm just going to point out to you because we're talking about creation. Romans 1 and verse 18 it says the wrath of God or the punishment of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. So it's not like they're trying to find truth, they're pushing it down. Since what may be known about God is plain to them. How? Because God has made it plain to them. Now he explains, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are out without excuse. For though they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him. But their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. It's not that you can't see, it's that you don't want to see. And you want an alternative. So you cook up theories but God is still God, and in the beginning, God. And God is the reason for everything, and as you look at nature, you see God. George Washington Carver was a slave, and he was a brilliant man, discovered multitudes, hundreds of uses for the peanut, and a brilliant scientist. And he said this, he said, I love to think of nature as an unlimited broadcasting station through which God speaks to us every hour if we will only tune in. Many are tuned out, but we need to be tuned in because creation speaks to us daily and from the book of Genesis. Just think of something like gravity that God created. Did you know that if we didn't have gravity, we would float away? If we didn't have gravity, the air that we breathe, that we complain about all the time, and the carbon wouldn't be kept around the earth. It would disappear. It's exactly right for you and I to walk for the air to stay around the earth and for everything to flourish, for trees to stay planted, it is a marvel of God and it's not accidental. Let's continue to read from Genesis and we're actually at chapter 9. Are you all with me? 
And God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place and let dry ground appear. And it was so. And God called the dry ground land and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. I want you to notice that word. It will come up again. Kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, there was morning, the third day. You know, if you think about fruit trees, they're quite incredible. In a little apple seed is the entire DNA of a full apple tree to produce the exact same apple, but wait, for that seed to then be reproduced in itself and then to produce another tree and to grow another whole crop of apples. Incredible. Do you know the three things that we can't produce? We can't produce seed. Human beings have tried. We can't produce blood. And we can't produce the third one is oxygen. Those are the th three things that cause life we can't produce. Can't produce blood. We've tried all sorts of things. People have created some measure of place, but you can't create blood. He says, God has designed this for replication. Think of a building. When a building is designed, you don't have a scrap of paper like a nap napkin. We're going to build a skyscraper. We're going to build a replacement for the World Trade Center. Let's draw on a, on a McDonald's serviette. This big, that square. Okay. Just go build it. No, thousands and thousands of pages of detail with drawings and pillars and dotted lines and, and this angle and that angle. And then we eventually, when they build it, they hope they get it right. And then when it's standing there, you can't say, reproduce yourself. All it does is it starts to decay from the moment it's finished. The second law of thermodynamics. Did they not build it right? No, you're living on a planet where there's a beginning and an end. And we are born, we're healthy and a plump little skin and we're cute and then we get wrinkled and old like us on the way to the grave. It's the reality. You see, the DNA built into this, and by the way, it's very interesting that man was a vegetarian before the flood. It was only after the flood that all the protein plants were destroyed and then God tells us, we'll look at it when we look at the flood. He then told man, you can eat meat. And here's the goal. And today, all the, all the dieticians think they're so incredible, you know, that we were hunter-gatherers and, you know, we were Neanderthals, like dumb with bones in our nose. No, no, Adam was just next to God, by the way. But nonetheless, God told us what diet we should eat. And the, the dieticians will tell you today, one-third meat, two-thirds vegetable. It's exactly what the Bible was. We were vegetarian. Then we lost certain plants that were protein. Now we eat meat to supplement. You eat too much meat, you have problems. It's just a, I like steak. I love steak. So we see these most amazing things here. Uh, sorry, it's water, not oxygen, babe. Water, blood, and seeds are the things that man cannot replicate. If we could replicate water, we could create life. But God created all this, and I want you to notice it says kind repeatedly. When it comes to the animals, it talks about kind as well. And uh, here's an important thing. Have you noticed that there's apples, but you get different kinds of apples? There are dogs. You get different kind of dogs. You get a pit bull, but then you get a little chihuahua. It's like a little weird-looking thing that you carry on your arm if you live in Hollywood. And then you have a pit bull if you live in South Africa and you want to make people cross. So, but it's one kind. Here's the thing. God made them according to their kinds. One kind can't become another kind. Apes don't become people. 
They don't walk along on Sunday. I'm going to stand up. I'm tired of being on my back sore. Going to invent the iPhone. No. Animals can mimic people, copy. You can get them to duplicate things, do puzzles. You can get them to watch TV screens. But they cannot. You'd never see monkeys on Valentine's Day holding hands on a bench going, oh. <laughs> monkeys are monkeys are monkeys. Apes and apes. No one can jump kind. You see, here's the thing. Horses and donkeys can mate. But you get mules. Mules are sterile. Because there's 64, 63, 62 chromosomes. You can't multiply them. God has designed certain things. So this thing of jumping kinds, when did it happen? And bring us these in-betweeners. Because God created this. And very interesting thing is that a man called Carl Linnaeus, or Carolus as he's often known in the Latin if you study botany, he was a Swedish botanist between the 1750s and 1760s who collected kinds of animals and plants and documented them and published them and uh, he's highly, highly respected. His system for naming and classifying and ranking plants and animals is still in wide use today. It's known as taxonomy. And he was the first man to coin the phrase Homo sapiens. And he was highly acclaimed among scientists in Europe. In fact, when he died, a number of famous people said this about him. The philosopher Jean-Jacques Rousseau sent him this message. I mean, he died already. Tell him, I know no greater man on earth. Quite an Quite a thing to say. Johann Wolfgang von Gut wrote, with the exception of Shakespeare and Spinoza, I know no other one among, uh, sorry, with the exception of Shakespeare and Spinoza, I know no one among the no longer living who has influenced me more strongly. He had a profound effect. He studied botany and animals and he, he documented these books because he's, he read the Bible, he said, and understood God created kinds and from that developed this. And then the Swedish author August Stringberg said Linnaeus was in reality a poet who happened to become a natural, naturalist. He was called the prince of botanists and is considered to be the founder of modern ecology. He read the Bible and came to that conclusion. Here's the thing about evolution. It takes millions of years to go from this to that to that, but I'll give you one example, just one. It's a famous one, but it's, it's one that should stick in your mind. There's a plant in Mexico called the yucca plant, Y-U-C-C-A. And the yucca plant is only pollinated and can reproduce by the yucca moth. Without the yucca moth, that plant would be extinct. It wouldn't, wouldn't replicate. But here's the thing. They say that the plants and moths evolved at different times. But the yucca moth, uh, the yucca plant needs the yucca moth in order to multiply. And the yucca moth needs the yucca plant in order to survive. It lives on it. So the two could only have been created at the same time not evolved over millions of years and adapted, as people say. Evolution constantly tries to disprove God. It tells us everything started in the sea, in the slime. God says everything started on the land. Evolution tells us that the earth was one mass of poisonous gases, and then suddenly, God says, no, there was pure oxygen and beautiful air. That's why man lived to over 900 years that God created. Who's right? I believe God is. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 14. Are you still with me? And God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them serve as signs to mark sacred times. I dealt with the stars at, at Christmas, if you want to listen to that message. And days and years. And let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. Here's the detail of what was summarized before. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky. Watch this 
to give light on the earth. The reason for the planets is not because there's aliens out there. God designed them to beautify the earth and to declare his greatness. And then it says to govern the day and the night and to separate light from darkness. And God saw it was good and there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. You see, the planets speak of God's greatness. They declare his vastness. Psalm 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. God created all these planets to glorify himself, to, to help man, to give light on the planet, and also to make all the processes of life carry on. The seasons, photosynthesis, and for us to eat the plants and for everything to exist and for life to exist for the benefit of man and the glory of God. Let me remind you, because this is constantly being touted, animals weren't here first in a perfect environment and man's an invader. Everything was created for man. Man is the pinnacle of God's creation. And we'll read about it in a moment. And so it's very important to understand that. And uh, we have been put on this perfectly tuned planet where we're so paranoid that we're going to be hit by a comet or we're going to explode any moment or we're all going to melt. It's funny how all the politicians who claim that, that, that we've got global warming and all the places on the earth, on the coast are going to be flooded, but all these prominent politicians, Al Gore included, they all live on the coast, right at the sea. Doesn't that add up to you that something's wrong? We're all going to die, but yeah, we live right on the edge of the sea. Without even a wall built. I mean, if Al Gore built a 10-foot wall, I go, he believes what he's, he's living there. The waters lap, 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 and then he preaches a gospel that he doesn't believe. Come on now. Let's think, people. And can I say this? As a Christian, don't be too ready to grab onto the latest thing. Ask yourself, does this line up with Scripture? What does the Bible say? You know, just a moment here, in Job, we hear about mining coal and digging for silver. And the Lord told the Israelites to go into Canaan and mine copper from the hills. Today, if you do any kind of progress or you dig anything up, you've you, you got to watch out. You better hide it because they will come and tar and feather you. You'll be canceled. But God designed the earth with minerals. By the way, people say, you need to use natural products. The oil that we're using is not natural. Where do you think the oil under the ground came from? It came from the flood when all the fossilized plants and trees were turned into oil. So if you want pure vegan oil, drill oil out of the ground or take some petrol. <laughs> Get, think. Think. Let alone being scientific, we don't think. And now we want to stop all progress. Let's go back to the God who created this planet for our use and for his glory. Uh, the late Stephen Hawking, who's considered the world's most famous cosmologist, he said this about our planet. He wrote a book called A Brief History of Time. He said the remarkable fact is that the values of the numbers, the numbers of the constants of physics, seem to have been very finely adjusted to make possible the development of life. For example, if the electric charge of the electron had been only slightly different, stars would have been unable to burn hydrogen and helium, or else they would not have exploded. It seems clear that there are relatively few ranges of values for these numbers that would allow for development of any form of intelligent life. He says this, most sets of values would give rise to universes that although they might be very beautiful, would contain no one able to wonder at that beauty. So in other words, if there was just variations, you'd have you know, weird stuff, but there'd be no life because life exists, that fine-tuning of God. 
Michael Turner, the astrophysicist at the University of Chicago, uh, he describes the fine-tuning of the universe with this analogy. He says, the precision of the universe is as if one could throw a dart across the entire universe and hit a bull's eye one millimeter in diameter on the other side. That's how little variation there can be. Only a God could design that. This could never come by chance. Arthur C. Clarke, the science fiction writer, many of you would know him. He wrote the script, if you're old enough to remember, the movie 2001, A Space Odyssey. The earth would only have to move a few million kilometers sunward or starward for the delicate balance of climate to be destroyed. The Antarctic ice cap would melt and flood all low-lying land or the oceans would freeze and the whole world would be locked in eternal winter. Just a nudge in either direction would be enough. Can you get the idea God put this amazing place in place? But watch, it's a fallen planet. When we read further in Genesis, you'll read that it's cursed. So it's amazing, but it's messed up. Human beings are incredible, but they've fallen. And that answers every question you've got about where, why, and even the environment. Let's keep reading Genesis chapter 1 and verse 20. Are you there? And God said, let the water teem with living creatures and let birds fly across the earth, across the vault of the sky. And so God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and that moves about in it according to their kinds and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good and God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the waters in the seas and let the birds increase on the earth. And there was evening, there was morning, the fifth day. By the way, evolution says dinosaurs came first and then birds. God says birds came first. And it was 1841 that the term dinosaur was first coined. It's a very recent term and again tries to prove that the earth is billions of years old. I don't know where dinosaurs fit in, but I trust what the Bible says. Are you with me? And uh, we go on to read here. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kind the livestock, in other words, cattle and cows and milk and so on, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to his kind. So God had wild animals, and so it was so. And God made the wild animals according to their kinds, and livestock according to their kinds, and creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And so everything here created perfectly for man's use, even the livestock for man's use. We'll continue reading verse 26. Are you with me? And God said, let us make man in our image in our likeness. How many know people say, oh, Adam and Eve weren't the only people. God was talking to the other oaks that he created before. No, he wasn't. God the Father was there. The Spirit of God was hovering. Jesus was there. He was created before time, and the Trinity was at work here, that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over livestock and all the wild animals, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image, in the image of God, he created them, not after the ape. Male and female, he created them. God created this incredible man for incredible authority to rule on God's behalf with incredible features. Do you know your body is so amazing? Do you know why your fingers wrinkle when you keep them in water? It's so that you can pick up things underwater. Yes, my fingers are weird. Yeah, they go wrinkled like that. So if you have to pick up anything, the wrinkles allow you to grip it. This body is amazing. And God says, I designed man in my image. Now, what does that mean in the image of God? Does God have eyes and a nose? No. The image of God is the creative ability, the ability to write music, to paint, to build buildings, to invent an iPhone, 
to build a stage, an electronic pulpit that goes down flat that you can't even see it, to put lights in and screens, little pixels, and to broadcast and to have television. If people watching me on television can see this program and watch it across the whole world. God has designed man. No ape can do that. Copy that. Move little puzzles. Yeah, they can copy. Any animal can mimic. You get dogs, they walk in their hind legs. Come there, boy. You give you a sugar cube. Come there, boy. That's different to being a man in the image of God. Incredible. See, this word Elohim is the word for us. It's the plural of God two and a half thousand times in the Bible. And why is it plural? Because the Bible tells us, Colossians 1 and verse 15. Are you listening? This is very, very important. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones, powers, rulers, authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together." Jesus is God. That's why you can't relegate him to just one of the other prophets who brought some wisdom. He's the third person of the Trinity who was present at the beginning. That's why it's no surprise that when everything goes wrong, God the Father says, the best person to send is my son. And when he came, he spoke creation into order. Be free, be healed. Authority of God. And man is created after that image. Now, here's an interesting thing. God spoke creation into being, but he created man with his hands. He formed man. We'll see that in Genesis 2 next week. He formed man with his hands. Talk about personal. And he put his mouth on the dirt and breathed life into it. You're not just, you don't just come from somewhere. You're not just here to live for self-fulfillment. You, you don't just, you just oh, I'm here now. What can I do? I'm going to go to parties. I want to take drugs. I'm going to just do what I want. No, you're here to reflect God. That's why you're never happy until you have God in your life. Hebrews chapter 1 here talks about the Son again. God promised everything to the Son as inheritance. And through the Son, He created the universe. Everything comes from Him and everything goes to Him. And uh, Rick Warren says this. He says, you didn't create yourself, so there is no way you can tell yourself what you were created for. You need the Bible to tell you. Now let's read on. Are we still good? Quickly, I'll wrap this up. Genesis 1 and verse 28. We're nearly done. God blessed them. You're a blessed person. And he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Don't worry about how many children you will have. That's in the original Hebrew. (laughs) Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. They're there for you. You're not here for them. Can I just stop you? Some people are so paranoid. They, they, they will kill babies in the womb, but then send, send and spend a lot of time and money or try to save the rhinos. No, they're there for you. And when they go instinct, well, we're not too concerned about it. Not that we're going to kill them off. We're not too concerned. We're concerned about human life because one day there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth, and the lamb will lie down with the lion. There'll be rhino there. No, we're obsessed with the wrong stuff at the expense of human life. You don't have to agree with me, but I'm right. (laughs) Come quickly, read with me. He says in verse 29, Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth, and every tree that is fruit with seed in it, they will be yours with food. Here you can see the vegetarian concept. And to all the beasts, 
of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. Notice good, good, very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Daniel Fuller was a professor of biblical interpretation, which we call hermeneutics. He said, God commands these people made in his image to multiply so that they and thus God's image will fill the earth. That's why you're alive. You're not here to have fun, fulfill your fantasies, and express every little whim you have. You're here to show the image of God, which he put upon you for his glory and his honor. And, uh, and, and can I say this? People who are into the whole evolution thing, can I just get you to think? Did you know where racism came from? Racism developed highly from evolution. Because if you see the diagram, it usually starts with a little animal, and then it becomes an ape. Then the ape becomes a sort of a subhuman, and then it becomes a human. Darwin wrote about that, and he said that the black races were less than human, that whites were highly developed, and that's where you got Hitler's theory from, and that's where you get the whole thing of white supremacy from, comes from evolution, not from God. And you can read a book on it by Richard Weikart called Darwinian Racism. And then a, book, a man called Charles Ware and Ken Ham wrote a book uh, called One Race, One Blood, and they refuted that because they said we all came from Adam, and according to kinds, just like apples, we're all different, but we're one kind, we're human. <laughs> Act 17, and he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth. Mitochondrial DNA comes from Adam. Science has proved that. Malachi chapter 2 and verse 10 do we not all have one Father, did not one God create us? You see, we are incredible. And as I close today, I want to quote you a man called Robert Heinlein who talks about how amazing we actually are compared to insects. He says a human being should be able to change a nappy, plan an invasion, butcher a hog, con a ship, design a building, write a sonnet, balance accounts, build a wall, set a bone, comfort the dying, take orders, give orders, cooperate, act alone, solve equations, analyze a new problem, pitch manure, program a computer, cook a tasty meal, fight efficiently, and die gallantly. Specialization is for insects. <laughs> you and I were created by God, and we are incredible. We hope you have been blessed and inspired by this message.